coming up on Thunder Pop. Go for episode number 62 of the Thunder Pop podcast. This is our Black Panther special edition of Thunder Pop podcast. We've been wanting to talk Black Panther in heavy doses for a while. And I couldn't think of a better person to bring in than our resident superhero connoisseur himself, the one and only, the boy wonder, Johnny Lightfoot. Hello, hello. Now, Johnny is going to be joining us in the studio today, but we have kind of a, a crazy weather this week, and the wind right now is like something you would see out of a movie like The Perfect Storm. Heavy winds, storm coming in. So we were like, you know what? Let's just do a Skype in and we'll cover our Black Panther uh, using uh, our technology, much like the technology in Wakanda that they use for their benefit. Yeah. So we're going to talk about everything about Wakanda and Black Panther, the king who has now regained his throne. This is going to be full of spoilers. So if you haven't seen Black Panther this first weekend out, Uh, If you're waiting for whatever reason, then you might exit now and come back after you've listened to Black Panther. Johnny Lightfoot, we're going to open first with a Thunder Take that's Black Panther related, appropriately, since we're doing a Black Panther special edition. We're talking about Chadwick Boseman, who played the Black Panther in the uh, uh, Captain America Civil War. He's going to be in the uh, Avengers, upcoming Avengers Infinity War, and of course, in the movie with the same title, Black Panther. Now, I read a lot of reviews online uh, after the film. I read maybe one spoiler-free review before the film, actually. And then reading what people have posted on social media. And one of the things that kept coming up, it was an ongoing thing that kept coming up, was people criticizing Chadwick Boseman as a Black Panther. One post on Facebook said, He was the least interesting thing about the Black Panther. Another review I read on another uh, publication, Chadwick Boseman. He anchors the film, but he is nearly upstaged by an impressive cast of cinematic veterans and relative newcomers. So here's my take on this. And I know, Johnny, I'm sure you got, got some you know stuff to input on that as well. But I didn't have a problem with Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther uh, so far in any of the, uh, movies he's, the two movies he's, he's appeared in. I think he's only been, so far he's been in two films, correct? The character Black uh, Panther? With the- yeah, as Black Panther, yeah, just the two. Yeah, so here's my thing. I do agree that there is some pretty strong acting uh, pedigree 
in the Black Panther. When I first saw the cast list, I was blown away by all the people that were, that were in this film. Uh, that 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 they had really pulled they pulled together for a. It's like just when you think they couldn't pull together an, another amazing cast. I mean, look at some of the past um, Marvel movies and uh, and from Marvel Studios, like for the Captain America, getting Tommy Lee Jones, Robert Redford. Uh, I mean, the list goes Michael Douglas. The list goes on and on. Some different big name stars, great acting talent that appeared. And then just when you think you couldn't get any better, you got Forrest Whitaker. Um, and it just the list goes on and on in the uh, Black Panther movie. Oh, uh, Angela Bassett playing the queen, playing yep. this queen mom. So it just goes on and on and on. The people they they managed to cast in these Marvel movies. Just when you think they the well is going to be dry, they put out a movie like this with this amazing cast. But I mean, this is a criticism that's been going on for superhero movies for decades. I remember when the first bat the first Batman movie with Michael Keaton in the uh, Tim Burton verse came out mm-hmm. um yep. and the criticisms michael keaton received and he's also being a very strong actor with a uh a very at that point he already had a pretty impressive resume uh in comedies at least and that was the same criticism with him going up against uh, jack nicholson playing the joker of how much he was upstaged uh with jack nicholson's joker uh so that's been something that's kind of been ongoing for many years with characters that were playing villains, actors that were playing villains, having so much more to work with. Uh, even Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight series. I mean, how could mm-hmm. you possibly playing Batman, but with Heath Ledger playing that version of the Joker, how could you possibly, you know, I mean, st- I mean, you're, of course you're going to get upstaged uh, in a performance yeah. like that. But villains, typically, there's so much more to sink your teeth into. In terms mm-hmm. of what you can do with the character, you could argue in the new Star Wars movies, uh, Adam Driver upstaging uh, Daisy Ridley in some of the scenes. You could argue that, whether it's accurate yeah. or true, but he does have a lot more to work with in terms of the complexity that goes into a villain. So it is really hard. Um, there have been some exceptions that rule, but I think when you're what people have to what people forget is when you're universe building, like you do with Marvel movies, the Marvel movies of today, you're universe building and you're constantly trying to continue to build that universe, reestablish that universe, make sure that that's is being sustained in a way that's that's believable to your audience. Um, even though you're in superhero movies, you're still suspending belief. You still want to have some level of storytelling that can be digested by the audience in a way that is, you know, interesting and, and entertaining. So you're constantly universe building. It's sort of like the same thing in sports. You can't have a football team where everybody wants the ball. You've got to have right. somebody on that team that's willing to guard one of the other players on the field or or, or uh, just be a decoy so you can pass the, send the ball over to the, to the receiver on the right side of the field. Meanwhile, on the left side of the field, you might have to be a decoy. Does it mean you're less important? No. So when you think about the Avengers – in other superhero teams, in, uh, in, in the DC universe and, and whatnot. Not everybody can be the guy that wants the ball. Some people have to be a little more modest in the, in the character development. And the other thing, too, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is not everybody can be the glowing with person, personality, Mr. Gregarious Tony Stark. Somebody's right. got to be the more laid back. Somebody's got, so you've got, you got Captain America very militarized, coming from a very patriotic background. Um, 
yeah, he's going to crack a joke from every t- from time to time. He's going to have a little bit of a sense of humor, but he's not going to be a constantly cracking jokes like a Tony Stark. He's not that playboy, um, high tech gadget inventor billionaire. He's going to be a little bit more of a straight laced. Thor. Thor's a god. I mean, he's from another planet. So he's got this kind of bigger than life kind of presence. And yeah, he's got a sense of humor. They wrote the character to have a little bit of a sense of humor. But not everybody can be a comedian on the Avengers. Some people have to be the straight man. Because you're, you're, you're talking about, now you're getting into a place where you got 20 or 30 characters. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. So uh, I think maybe even more. I don't know how many I've read are actually going to appear in Infinity War in terms of like actual like superheroes. Where we're at as I far as they initially, I think they were they were claiming sixty. Yeah, I've heard something in that range, fifty to sixty range. So not everybody on the field can want the ball, and so you've got to have a character. And the other thing too with with this character, the Black Panther, you have to re- remember it's it's about character development too, and what's going to be believable. You can't have, I mean, a Eddie Murphy type. I mean, cracking jokes. Right. And in a comedy, sure. But it's not believable if he's too silly or he's too over the top or he's not, you know, he's, he was raised as a prince to become a king. And I think he has to be a little bit modest, a little bit more straight laced. Um, kind of like the Captain America of Wakanda. Um, so I think it works. It works. And it, it, I had no problem. I think it was a little bit of a nitpick. And what I, I thought overall was it was a great movie. I thought it was a little bit of a nitpick. But anyway, that's my Thunder take. Uh, I'm defending uh, Chadwick Boseman and, uh, and the job he did. I think he's a terrific actor. And I think that what he did with the role, to me, works. And uh, that's for that reason. So anyway, first time we've talked to you since Black Panther came out, Johnny, and want to hear your take on it what do you think uh i mean i've seen it twice now uh i think it's i think it's fantastic it's uh it's my second favorite of the mcu movies as of right now what's your first um uh captain america's uh winter soldier yeah yeah that was the second um, that was that- the second one with robert redford right Yep, mm-hmm. and it's mostly due to I, I I don't know if it's a bias because I just grew up watching a lot of James Bond and like seventies and eighties, yeah. you know, political thriller spy movies. But it, it was like a superhero movie blended with that, so that's just why I get so much enjoyment out of that film. Yeah, no, it was it was a great it was a great piece of work for sure. Um, and I I, it's, I I don't know if I I haven't ranked him in a while, but it's definitely in my top five. And if not my top three, the the uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, for sure. For the same reasons you mentioned, it's this great um, movie that uh, brings in a lot of the elements of, uh, of the uh, James Bond-type films, spy films, uh, into a superhero uh, story. So, a great film. So, you, you have Black Panther right behind that? Yeah, and it was tough because, uh, I, you know, I've... I've had people say like oh well, why why don't you have it number one and then i've also had people say well you know that doesn't make sense that's you know it's too soon that sort of thing yeah, yeah. um but uh, after seeing it twice you know between like you were saying the uh 
the amassed group of, of just talented actors and performances, um, everything from Black Panther himself all the way down to the the gentleman who played Winston Duke, who plays Umbaku, the man ape um, from the tribe in the mountains. Yeah, it's he was really the good. Few lines he has. Yeah, he he only has a few lines, but he's fantastic, and so. Um, and I've had conversations with people great. that say he was actually one of their favorite parts of the film. Yeah, already uh, I've yeah. had several several people who've said he's my favorite part, or Shuri, the younger sister, is their favorite yeah, part. Yeah, she was one of my favorite parts. Or Akuye, uh, who's Denai Guerrera from The Walking Dead, as his general, as their favorite character. So. This is a, a movie where I feel like everybody's, you know, you can nitpick Chadwick Boseman all you want, but it's not because of him. It's just because there's so many good performances. Well, yeah, and it's hard uh, because there is a lot of good performances going on around him. I mean, but there's going to be a lot of good good performances going on around him in, in the Avengers Infinity War, I would assume, too. Right. And I mean, um, and I mean, when I when I initially the movie and credits initially started rolling my initial thought was again spoiler alert why'd they kill killmonger because he's the in my opinion second best villain we've gotten in the marvel movies outside of loki uh but after seeing it again it, it it makes so much more sense and and i feel like he served his purpose he was he was ruthless you know kill his own girlfriend and uh you know, at the end, even when the hero does what a hero does and, and, and you know, offers to save him, you know, he, thing, he says, you know, no, bear, you know, I'm going to die. Bury me in the bury me in the sea with my ancestors who would rather die than uh, live in bondage. That's great lines, wasn't it? Some great. Yeah. Great uh, writing in this film. And yeah, absolutely, not, absolutely. And not to be a surprise either. I mean, when you have uh, Ryan Coogler behind the director's chair or at the director's chair, and also behind the writing, uh, along with uh, Joe Robert Cole. He wrote the script with him. Um, we had some pretty high expectations for this film. When you come it off of uh, Fruitvale Station, Fruitvale Station, uh, that it was highly acclaimed, that kind of came out of nowhere, uh, and then a uh, highly acclaimed uh, Creed that revitalized yeah. uh, the Rocky franchise um, with a great spinoff movie. They got Sylvester Stallone an Academy Award nomination, for best supporting actor, uh, it's a pretty impressive start to a filmmaking career. Oh yeah, three for three for three. Uh, you, you you don't really see that often. No, no, to get out of the gate and come out with like three, you know, home three for three, three home runs for three at bats, which is basically what it's been. And now Black Panther, which will easily become one of the top box. Well, it will become the top box office office uh, film. It'll it'll surpass Deadpool for the biggest February ever. Yeah, because, I mean, as of right now, uh, it now has the biggest solo uh, superhero movie opening of all time, and it grossed just over $200 million with $201 million. And then you take into account President's Day yesterday, the four-day total uh, definitely skyrocketed it because it ended up over $235 million in the first four days. Yeah. Um. So it, it, it crushed Deadpool's... Deadpool originally had the record for highest opening with uh, a solo feature at, uh, I believe, $137 million, Yeah. And Black Panther just blew it out of the water. 
Did John Wick, the first John Wick, was it holding that spot before Deadpool? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I, I, cause yeah, I saw the premiere and it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw the premiere of that at Fantastic Fest 2014 and then it came out that following February. I know it was probably close on, in terms of like February R rated movie, but yeah. definitely not, not, uh, not near these kind of numbers. No, yeah, no. And plus, since it was coming out of nowhere, where with Black Panther and even with Deadpool to a certain extent, there was some more anticipation behind it, um, build it leading up to the release of the, the date of its release. And plus, the R rated part with John Wick 2, it had that going against it. Uh, of course, Deadpool R rated 2, right? Or was it PG 13? Correct. Yeah, it was our right. Well, Dead, yeah, Deadpool not only for superhero solo movies, but also it had the highest grossing R-rated movie of yeah. all time, and it will keep that title uh, for sure, at least until its uh, its sequel comes out in May. Um, it'll have more competition in May, but it'll also have more of a fan base kind of uh, already uh, established from the first movie that maybe people that weren't as much into Deadpool that became kind of Deadpool fans as a result of that first film. Uh, that are going to be j- jumping back on the bandwagon in May when when it comes back out. Now, I think it would be uh, important, and it would be wrong for us not to, you know, mention. And I mean, I to me, it's it's a great superhero film, regardless. I mean, it's it's of race and and sex and and how many women are in it or how many women were not in it. But it it's a it's an important film to a lot of people. Correct. For the for the very and for the same reason, Wonder Woman was a big film for a lot of people back in the summer, because it had yeah. did something that we didn't get for a long time. Yeah, very much so. So it's great that the year following now we've gotten this, uh, and it's not the first film with a black lead playing a major super like super like hero, because um, we had Blade, and then we've had other characters. You know, there's Shaft. Uh, but there hasn't been a right. lot. There hasn't been a lot of that. There's been very little of it. Almost none. Nothing. Uh, very minimal. Um, I mean, you had some great uh, lead heroes, but not superheroes. You had Denzel Washington uh, in the um, Equalizer, definitely playing a hero, but not a superhero. So to get this is uh, this not a this yeah not a superhero. So this caliber of a film. Um, and then to have the majority of the cast, a black cast, I mean, it was just like nothing we had ever seen before. And I mean, I found myself when I went to the film, that was something that was there that I, you know, and I went went to see it, you know, second second day it had been out. So a lot of a larger portion of the people actually in the audience where I was watching it was a black audience. So it was kind of cool to see that and kind of watch their observ- observing the film from their viewpoint by me being there. But I guess what I'm trying to say, the thing is with this film is I, as soon as I started watching it that quickly, just sort of, it just forgot about it. It was just, was the film, you know, it wasn't even like I was thinking about the fact that, you know, it was a, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't, you know, something that it was just a great film. I guess what I'm trying to say. It was a great superhero film. Right. No, definitely. Um, yeah, because I, I noticed that as well, both on my first and second viewing was, yeah, uh, compared to, you know, other premieres, it was a, a high percentage of African-American audience. Mm-hmm. And I understand, 
because you had the same thing with Wonder Woman. You had a lot of women exactly. who, yeah, you know, don't you know, folks who probably don't go out to the theater very often. A mm -hmm. lot of people's mothers or grandmothers or grandfathers and fathers who don't go to the theater very often. They tend to steer more towards home movies, but. For a lot of folks, this was an event. This was something special to see um, representation on the screen. Yeah, no, that's you put it perfectly, um, and so it's great. And I think what Wonder Woman did, uh, or what I would hope it's going to do, is going to give some more opportunities for some of the female superhero characters to get their own standalone films. Which I think I already hear whispers of some things that are in development. So I think this is a great possibility of that happening. And now seeing what, um, and let's face it, Hollywood can be kind of closet racist sometimes. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, when when and that's the thing too. When when you you have movements like the a uh, couple years ago, the Oscars so white and things like that. Yeah, it's not it's not the Academy. It's it's Hollywood giving opportunities to people like Ryan Coogler. Yeah, you know, an African American male or Patty Jenkins, you know, mm -hmm. a female. Yeah, you know, it's it's not about. It's just the Academy doesn't have a lot to choose from, because I've also yeah. heard people say like, "Oh, well, we should give a best uh, male director and then also a best female director the same way we we do with actors," or you say, "Oh, well, out of the five director spots, we reserve one for a female," but what if you know, so for last year, say you had to put a Patty Jenkins. Was Patty Jenkins really as deserving as the five people nominated? Probably mm -hmm. not. Granted, mm -hmm. she did a fantastic job. It's just we need to give them the opportunities to earn those spots because they're not being given enough opportunity. Yeah. No, and they definitely misfire from time to time. But there are years where they definitely just don't have the the uh, the choices of female or uh, non-white directors um, to, to choose from and that the field's not there and the field's not there and a lot of the time is not there because there just wasn't opportunities being given um, to these people. I mean, even over at Star Wars at Lucasfilm where now you've had, since Disney took over uh, Star Wars, you've had now, we were, what were we three films into, or Count Solo will be four films into the Disney Star Wars with Solo? Yeah. And we've had not one female or yep. black director that's been picked yet to direct a Star Wars film, even though there's a female that's running Lucasfilm. So that would you would think for sure. Yeah, and but, but I think heard, she's got um, pressure. She got her. She's got pressure to go in direction. She's go, she maybe she's not always able to pick the people she wants to pick because there is she does have a boss over her. Yeah, but I mean, they they've also been trying to steer it in the direct the right direction it's yeah. not going to happen overnight yeah you know with people like ray and then jen urso and rogue one you have two strong female protagonists yeah and then look at the back they got a lot with the whole mary sue thing yeah yeah and you know uh it's it's gonna be an uphill battle and the, the same the same goes for um Folks of other ethnicities, it's just, it's an uphill battle to get the representation and then not have pushback. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, a, it's a gradual sort of thing. And um, since this weekend, I mean, I, I've listened to a couple of things of P 
people have said, get Ryan Coogler on a Star Wars movie stat, you know? Well, after what everybody's seen with Black... They would not have said that pre-Black Panther, for sure, because there wasn't enough there to... Even though I saw it even as far back as Creed, because I saw what he did with Creed, and he took it old stale expired franchise and revitalized it and made it and made it new for the new millennial uh yeah he did film going market um i mean even with the 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 casting of the actors and and then being able to put a young voice into that into that story so the way he the way he did it he revitalized it so i saw well hey what's another old franchise about as old as rocky around the same age that's there's an effort to revitalize and keep fresh star wars it's like okay you know you put you put kind of put two and two together there and you think okay he did it with rocky i would think it'd be harder in a way to do it with rocky cuz i mean who would have thought or who would have came up with that idea to do a creed movie with michael b mm-hmm. jordan i mean it wasn't any it wasn't any really on i mean i was a huge rocky i've always been a huge rocky fan definitely wasn't anything on my radar doing a Rocky, you know, Creed reboot in that no, fashion. No, not at all. So for him to come up with that idea, along with Michael B. Jordan, so it's like, what could he come up with for Star Wars? I, I agree. I'd love to see that. What yeah. uh, We had talked, we actually talked about that on the last episode, and the f- idea wouldn't have been cool if they had done a Lando film instead of the Han Solo film. All right, old buddy. And had Ryan Coogler direct that. And what he could have maybe done with a with a uh, Lando Calrissian film, which could still be done at this point. Yeah, I mean, and I I actually probably would have been more excited for that than than a solo film. Yeah, simply because um, there was a uh, I'm pretty sure I've told you about the the book I read or listened to Star Wars: A New Hope from a certain point of view. One of the mm-hmm. final short stories in that. Is told from the point of view of Lando at a gambling casino, and he he's the news is playing on one of the video screens, and it's basically showing the destruction of the Death Star, and there's some video footage of the Falcon going in to help, and it's told from his point of view and him thinking, well, you know, the only person I've seen, first of all, that's my ship. Second, the only thing is, uh. The only person I know who can fly it like that is Han Solo, but why would he fly it? You know, why would he help the rebellion? Da, 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 da. He's not that kind of person. And it's basically him talking within his mind about what Han might have gone through that would lead him to start helping people. And it was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, there could be an interesting uh, angle there. Um, you know, I I'd also, in, in getting kind of going back... And I didn't understand, a lot of people didn't understand why they went with the Han Solo film before an Obi-Wan film. And there's even memes now all over the internet kind of depicting people's frustration with, with Lucasfilm going with uh, Han Solo standalone before they would do an Obi-Wan standalone. And then now we're talking about how cool it would have been to see a Lando film. Well, this is something I read today. I didn't know this, but apparently George Lucas was, was working on a Han Solo film. And he was developing something with Lawrence Kasdan before they sold to Disney, and it was it was uh, it was kind of already in the works. So when Kasdan, so when Lucas ended up selling to Disney, Kasdan was pushed over to Force Awakens to focus on that instead, and the Han Solo idea was shelved. 
and then uh, Lawrence Kasdan, of course, started working with his son because his son had a huge interest in in, uh, in Star Wars and working on Star Wars. So they started working together on on stuff and writing. And then so Kasdan, after Force Awakens finally passed, he came back and said, "Hey, how about this Han Solo idea we had? Could we revisit this?" So a lot of it had to do with the fact that the project was kind of already in the works and Lawrence Kasdan kind of pushing it. So that's interesting. That that actually makes me a little bit more hopeful for the solo project. The fact that, oh, that, yeah, that Kasdan was so firmly behind it. I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hold up. Let's go. Go. Uh. We are home. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. It's a visually stunning film. Uh, tons of great performances in there. Uh, I'd love to see what, what else they're going to do in the continuation of a, uh, Wakanda and that part of the, the uh, Avengers uh, Marvel Universe, where they can go with that. Uh, I'm sure there's some, some other great stories that can be told there. One of the things I liked about it, too, was it was a... It's in Avengers Marvel Universe, but more than any of the other films, I felt like it established itself kind of where it had its own little compartmentalized section that it could feel like a different, unique kind of film from the other Marvel movies. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because it was, it was, uh, you know, it was unique in that it was self-contained. It uh, took place. Uh, almost, almost entirely on Wakanda, which mm-hmm. we had never really been to outside of an uh, after-credit scene. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, the only other takeaway I would say is um, I have heard rumblings about people saying Martin Freeman's character was kind of worthless, and he was just kind of supposed to be this, you know, little CIA guy right, who. Right. Uh, didn't really do much and um and something came uh up where i was like well so in the finale black panther's fighting killmonger right and uh you know the the wakandan army is fighting against uh denai guerrera okoye's you know army mm-hmm. and they're fighting they're all fighting for wakanda and then martin freeman it's it's his his journey is actually what led uh, T'Challa to allow himself to let Wakanda and their technology be shared with the world because had he not jumped in front of you know T'Challa's love interest Nakia's mm-hmm. during that sit out and saved her life by taking the bullet, forcing T'Challa to say no, we need to save his life and use our technology. So. That allowed them to let an outsider in. And then at the end, when they're all fighting, um, so they're all fighting for Wakanda. He's piloting that ship mm-hmm. to stop the weapons from leaving the country. 
he's actually in that sense saving the world. So he's on like his whole a uh, whole nother mission almost. And yeah. then at the end credits, you know, Black Panther essentially says, well, "Okay, we're we're going to let our technology out." And they and finally I think make the Martin decision. Freeman, yeah, I think, and I think Martin Freeman had a lot to do with that. You know, it's interesting too, and I've been reading a lot about that character. Uh, and I thought this too after the film, after I let things kind of digest a little bit, I was like, I wonder if he's a character we're gonna. I know we're gonna see him again going forward, but it's been a people have already kind of pieced it together that he could very well end up in the uh, Captain Captain Marvel film. Which is yeah, he could. Because of the timeline and where it's set, it would actually have had him during his time in the Air Force as a pilot would have been around the time of the Captain Marvel, uh, which was supposed to be set in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have been kind of piecing it together that we're going to probably possibly see a younger version, probably using uh, some, some type of um, CGI effects or makeup to uh, using the same actor to be a younger version of himself. I could definitely see that. Do you think they'd go more the CGI route or makeup? Because he's got kind of a look to where if they dyed his hair, he's one of those people that could be a lot of different ages. Um, I think they. Granted, today the way that the industry's going, they're probably going to go CG. Yeah, they did it already, and in, in one of the Mar- I mean, they've already used it in the Marvel movies quite effectively with uh, Tony Stark in uh, in one of the more recent movies. If it was maybe Civil War. Or the last Avengers movie that they had Tony Stark, a uh, younger version of him. And it was quite convincing. Thunder Pop was not recorded in front of a studio or audience. Uh, if you like uh, hip hop music, um, this is definitely the best oh, soundtrack great ever. Great soundtrack, yeah, great soundtrack, great soundtrack. I could not wait to uh, go home and listen to some of the songs off that uh, soundtrack. Um, it was probably uh, it's going to be one of the top best soundtracks for a superhero film ever. May end up being one of the top best soundtracks ever in a film. Uh, definitely hip hop. Uh, score Kendrick Lamar had a lot to do with overseeing. He was he was actually kind of the uh, the overseer of curator of uh, music for that for that album and for the film. It was, it was amazing. From now, I mean, Kendrick Lamar and Ryan Coogler definitely need to team up again in some capacity on, on another film. Um, of course, for Coogler, uh, I don't know what his next project is going to be as a director. Uh, I know people are already calling for him to do the next Black Panther film and then uh, Star Wars. Hey, yeah, I say absolutely bring him in for a Star Wars at some point. Uh, I think that he's earned, he's earned, he's proved that he can, he can definitely handle a Star Wars film from what we've seen in the Black Panther movie. It's a good practice to practice run for him too, doing doing a movie like that where there's a lot of special effects in it, but not as much as there would be if he did a Star Wars film, where it's going to be uh, more of a constant in a Star Wars film. So it's a good practice oh, run. Yeah. For sh- good practice run for sure. Fantastic movie, love it. 
if you haven't seen it, see it. Um, yeah, just overall great movie. On a scale of one to five, I'm going to give this film... Five Thunderbolts. Uh, I would concur with that, definitely. Uh, Five Thunderbolts, no doubt. Um, Very few. And, I mean, I love superhero movies, but very few, uh, at least in the Marvel, and I love them all, but very few... um, have me feeling as fulfilled after watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very satisfying film. Um, just well done. Very impressive. Very impressed for sure. The shit is getting real. Oh, yes, things getting serious. Dude, did you hear what I said? The shit just got real. All right. If you're ready, I got some agree or disagree in my back pocket. Sounds good. All right, I'm ready to roll them out here. And number one, from Black Panther to Black Panther, with the early success of Marvel's Black Panther, do you agree that it's just a matter of time before we will see one of the other characters from Black Panther get a spin- spin-off film? Agree or disagree? Ooh. I'm going to disagree just because as great as those characters are, I think they just hold up better as supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you really could find a place to really thresh out a full three-act film with mm-hmm. with any of those characters. And granted, they're all great, but I just don't. I can't see uh, getting a full ninety-minute to one hundred and twenty-minute movie out of any of the supporting characters. What about a? And now, what I, I agree with that, but what I think I could see is these characters, uh, especially some of the strong female characters that were in this film, maybe appearing in other Marvel movies where they're not bundled with Black Panther. What do you think? That I could, that I could definitely see. Where maybe they team like, up with another character in the Marvel universe. I mean, I've even seen some talks of. So technically, his little sister Shuri is supposed to be the most like. Even smarter than Tony Stark. Oh, she from put like Tony, technology. She schooled Tony te- Stark in this movie. And she so, totally like, him. what would a what would a movie be like where you had her and Tony Stark kind of? Because we've had that with Tony Stark and Bruce Banner, yeah. kind of, you know, yeah. doing the science thing, bouncing ideas off each other. But what if you got her and Tony Stark, you know, doing some stuff? I think that's definitely going to happen. I don't know how soon it's going to happen, but I can definitely see that happen. There's already been some people that have formed some memes uh, paying uh, paying homage to that idea. So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time before we see that happen. She definitely puts Tony Stark to shame in that uh, in this movie um, with with uh, her, uh, her 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 gadgetry and uh, and also for with her wit and personality. She she could uh, match uh, match up with uh, Tony Stark. Oh, yeah, I could totally see her, you know, joking at him about his age or his goatee or anything. Wardrobe choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is perfect. I could see that being just a, a great playoff of each other and, uh, and their characters. All right, number two, now going over to Star Wars, a fake news story was circulating around the web this past week 
They reported news of George Lucas signing with Netflix for $8 billion, for an $8 billion deal that would have Lucas releasing some of his experimental sci-fi projects along with other original material over the next few years on the streaming service. Even though this is fake news, do you agree that a similar deal could in fact still happen in the future? Um, it could, but it, I mean, it would definitely have to be some, like, just random stuff he has scribbled in a notebook somewhere. Mm-hmm. That, and I think George is pretty content with, uh, with his paycheck he got from Disney. Yeah, no, I mean, he could definitely retire. Uh, the only reason I would say I agree with this possibility, and I would have disagreed with it a few months ago is because there's been some whispers recently, like there was the discussion of him appearing at the on the set of Solo and assisting in one scene where he had put in some input to Ron Howard. Uh, on I one, had heard that. Yeah, on one of the scenes. And I think that's been verified. I think that's, that's not fake news. And then there was talk, rumors, unconfirmed, but from uh, some different resources that he was over in Ireland scouting locations for a possible film project, which people have speculated that could be for the Obi-Wan film, which, I mean, I would think that he would, I can't see him directing a Star Wars film. I could see him maybe in the role of a consultant or executive producer, but that was interesting to me. And I'm like, is he getting the bug back? Is he kind of wanting to go back in and do a little bit of work, get back into the producing? So that, that, um, that to me was interesting. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. And then here's the, here's the biggest clue of them all he showed up the black panther premiere beard beardless with no beard oh wow have you seen these pictures no i have not which makes me think that maybe he's trying to go with a younger more clean cut look like maybe he's trying to say hey look i'm still young i still got it i could still get back in there and do this look at me fresh-faced Ready to go. I don't know. It was just odd to see George Lucas with no beard. That would be like uh, Michael Jordan making an appearance in public with a full head of hair. It would just be weird. It was very weird. You know what's what's funny is his beard was always white. At least as 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 far back as I can remember, he's had a white beard. So it actually Uh doesn't look that much different. Because what you got is just a huge, tanless, white patch of skin on his face. That... From a distance, you can't really tell the difference. Mm-hmm. But still, still, still very funny. Still very funny. I don't know. I mean, do you think? Okay, so we could say whether it would happen or not happen. Do you think anyone would actually offer him a deal if he wanted a deal? Like uh, that, there's, like that. there's, there's somebody. Granted, I don't know how much the deal would be worth, but mm-hmm. there's somebody who, who would love to just get George Lucas's notes yeah for his non-star wars ideas Mm-hmm. yeah you know also he always wanted to do flash gordon and the reason why he did star he did. wars was because he couldn't do, get, do flash gordon yeah and so i wondered if he was given the opportunity at this juncture to executive produce and co-write a flash gordon whether he would do it with his I, own I would ideas think he would i think he would at least try to produce it yeah because he just loves that property so much. Yeah, and what that could look like. I mean, people would at least buy that ticket if they made that movie. I mean, they would definitely buy oh, that ticket. Definitely. 
Okay, number three in the order here. We're going to go away now from uh, Star Wars and Marvel to a very different universe. It's been nearly 30 years, Johnny Lightfoot, since Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And a lot has happened since then. But everybody involved in the proposed sequel to Bill and Ted's seems really passionate about getting it made. Did you know about this this proposed project? I, I, had, I had heard of it, yes. So, however, Bill and Ted 3 is still in writing phase and has yet to secure funding at this time. Do you agree that this film will have no problem securing its needed funding when the time comes and will in fact get produced for the big screen? Uh, it will. If, if, if it ends up moving forward, somebody's going to pay the money. There's so many places now that could do that. Yeah, I mean, even like a Netflix or an Amazon, somebody because there's a there's a uh, there's an audience for it. There's definitely an audience for it. I mean, nostalgia has proven that in the, the the reboots of these other properties and both television and films and things that we would have never thought we would ever see back on the small screen or the big screen ever again that's made it back on the... I just heard the other day they're rebooting Murphy Brown. And I'm like, is she? how old is Murphy Brown at this point? Is that even going to be possible? I mean, I understand it from a creativity standpoint because of all the political stuff that they could satire on that show. But I didn't know at the age point whether Candace Bergen could still pull that off. Um, it, it'd be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, even even Murphy Brown now is coming back. So uh, I wasn't so convinced or sold on a Bill and Ted's idea until I read a brief synopsis on the idea, and it works for me. Do you know what what the proposed idea is? No. Well, the idea would be that the 50-something middle-aged versions of Bill and Ted would go back in time, or they would somehow would cross paths with their younger selves that would be, that would have been in the timeline the younger selves that we saw in Bill and Ted's 1 and 2. Huh, interesting. So yeah, so basically kind of a down and out kind of giving up on life 50-year-old versions themselves trying to be kind of revitalized and their dreams remembered by their younger versions of themselves. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I could uh, yeah, I could definitely see it. I mean, even uh Karate Kids got a, a new Yeah. I mean, if you, YouTube's doing Karate Kid, then I'm sure someone's going to do Bill and Ted's. Have you seen the, the Karate Kid trailer? Uh, Cobra I Kai? have, yeah, the, the Cobra Kai, yeah. Fighting positions! I just don't know why you'd ever want to bring back Cobra Kai. We're not trained to be merciful here. Mercy is for the weak. You may know the moves, but none of that matters unless you have balance. Ready to learn the way of the fist? Yes, Sensei! Johnny, you and I, this, we aren't done. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's gonna, it's gonna be done more comedic, which I think it has to be done more comedic. Oh yeah, I mean, you're talking. 30 years later. It'd be interesting. I mean, I think people are going, I think it's going to be a good, um, what do they call it? What would you call it? An anchor for YouTube Red to kind of build their brand up? Yeah, because I mean, that's, everybody's trying to do it now. Get into the the original content on streaming, so. Mm-hmm. And Ralph Macchio, if, everything I've heard of him is very squeaky clean, so he's one of the actors you can 
invest in that you know probably is not going to get busted for sexual harassment. Well, I, I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then get the show kind of shut down after that. Because with no Ralph Macchio, you don't have Cobra Kai or Karate Kid if the series is over. No, not at all. And we'll be right back here in a moment with Johnny Lightfoot and thoughts and advice on this Black Panther special edition of Thunder Pop. Thunder Pop, in association with these nuts productions. Got em. And we are back with Johnny Lightfoot and the 62nd episode of Thunder Pop. Stephen Presley, Johnny Lightfoot in the Thunder Pop Dome. And now, thoughts and advice from Johnny. So, I know we have a lot of social justice warriors out there online, and everybody's got an agenda, but... Let's all take a step back and just think about when the first time was that you saw something and you're, wow, that could be me. Or, oh, that's like my dad or my grandfather or grandmother or mother. So take a moment and appreciate those moments that maybe you haven't gotten, but maybe when somebody else has them, you let them have that moment because, you know, there could come a time where you also get that. You just never know when it's going to come. So when you see somebody praising something or saying, oh, my God, you know, I was crying. Let them have that. Don't come out and be a troll. Nobody likes a troll. They belong under bridges. They're eating her. And then they're going to eat me. I mean, the trolls are there for things that are very serious and like dangerous serious, like like school shootings. Trolls are there. Oh, yes. Movie, like, <laughs> movies coming out, critiques about the films, the trolls are there. Yeah, let's let's start a group to purposefully downvote to try to to shame a film or, you know, it, if it's something as small as, granted, it ended up being big with the, the shooting in Florida, you know. This didn't happen overnight. It's it's it adds up. So, you know, think about if there's a time where, you know, you had a moment and then so when somebody else has that moment, maybe you haven't had your moment yet, but just think about, you know, let them have their moment and then hopefully you'll get yours too. Absolutely. And trolls are going to troll. Trolls are going to troll and then uh to that I would I would say the best uh, defense against trolls is don't acknowledge the troll because basically you have to treat it like Danny in The Shining. Mm-hmm. You have to basically say, okay, you look away and tell yourself it's not there, and then it's it's not going to be there. Absolutely. Before we go, you, rem- you reminded me to ask you this by mentioning that. What do you think about the new uh, the, the sequel to Halloween that's being made, or it's already been filmed with Jamie Lee Curtis, the idea of doing a sequel off of the first one that ignores the previous sequels. It's one of my top five anticipated films of the year. So you're pretty excited about it. 
I'm very excited because I'm I'm a huge horror genre fan, and uh, I'm uh, granted it's a it's a weird conglomeration of the people who are behind the creative direction of it, mm-hmm. but I, I think they have a similar love of the the original content. I mean, I'm somebody who owns the only way you can get the original John Carpenter scored Halloween soundtrack is there's a Mondo vinyl and and I own it wow. and I have. Um, so I am I am so excited, and I'm excited. John Carpenter himself is going to be composing the score for the new film. Mm-hmm. So I, I have nothing but uh, but high hopes. And yeah, like I said, it's one of my top five most anticipated films of this year. And Jamie Lee Curtis, she said this film is going to be scary, and it's going to be scary, and it's going to be good. It's really good. So she's really hyping it up. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it seems to be kind of a thing now. Is taking uh, films that there, there's been some like this Terminator. There's talk about doing a sequel off of T2 that would ignore the previous sequels. That would be a James Cameron, you know, yeah, they, involved. Basically, yeah, basically, yeah, trying to go back and retroactively remove all the stuff people don't like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Which I still I still watch those films as a fan, but right. there's no. There's there's still something in me that like ah oh, it could have been so much better yeah but yeah and then sometimes you wait thirty something almost forty something years to make the first sequel like in the case of Blade Runner yeah before you even touch the idea of making a sequel so it happens yep. All right, Johnny I want to thank you for joining us once again for the sixty second episode and I hope you have a great rest of the week. And everyone out there, have a great day, hour, month, second, millisecond. And stop trolling, people. Let Yeah. Yeah. Let people have their moment. Whatever that moment is. For better or worse, let them have that moment. And go have your own moment. So there. Peace. And Thunderpop is a Hit the Bricks production.